when you're telling them how busy you are. You're basically saying that you live in a reactive state of mind with absolutely no control over your time. Creating that space, we're creating time to live a more fulfilled, happy, successful life because we've curated it for ourselves. We've got to move away from busy. Welcome to Top of Mind, a show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become top of mind. How often do you have those mornings where everything feels really smooth? You get up at the time that you planned, you make it to work with time to spare, then you sit down with your first cup of coffee and you get to work. You feel unstoppable. But then someone asks you for your opinion on something. Then you're needed in a meeting that goes way too long. Then next thing you know, it's late in the afternoon and you haven't even gotten that thing you're working on in the morning done. You try to bring that work home and you cram it home, but then you feel even more guilty because you feel like you're prioritizing work over the people around you. At the end of it all, you're stressed, unproductive, and feel even more guilty because you're neither present nor productive. Ever have one of those days? Well, my guest today is going to help us to find 30 hours of lost time every month to help us maximize our time towards work and life. She's Australia's leading time management expert and the founder of Time Stylers. She's a highly respected speaker and a four-time best-selling author with her newest book called Me First, The Guilt-Free Guide to Prioritizing Yourself. Join me live all the way from Australia, Kate Christie. Thanks for joining me, Kate. Absolute pleasure, Stuart. Thanks for having me. And look, your description of that morning, you know, having that day, that just, that was kind of like my horror story. I, you know, I have nightmares about days like that. So you've just, you've just sent a, a chill down my spine. <laughs> but it, but it's such a, it's such a bummer when you have such great intentions and ambitions and things seem like they're going to go according to plan. And then all of a sudden your day just falls apart. The day I just described, is that something that sounds familiar to a lot of the clients you work with? Oh, absolutely. I think that one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they are approaching their day and they have this level of enthusiasm and they're, you know, they're, they're feeling they're going to be in flow and they've got it all sorted and they've got this great plan for the day and they know exactly what they're going to start on and they're set up for success. Then the first thing they do within kind of 15, 20 minutes of waking up is they check their phone. You know, you do this, right? You know you do this. And the problem is that your phone and, and your messages and the calls and the emails, that's someone else's to-do list. That's not your to-do list. You know, you've got your to-do list. You are ready to go. You've checked your phone and now you're heading off on a tangent mm-hmm. because all of those messages are going to be, I want, I need, can you, when is. And there's nothing in there saying, hey, Stuart, you know, have the best day and go kill your number one task. And right. so we, we actually set ourselves up for failure right from the moment we pick that phone up at sort of 15, 20 minutes after waking up. Yeah, I love that, that reframing of it because even, even if you're not looking at email and you're not even going into task-based 
distractions, even just opening Instagram, that is someone else. That was someone else's to do. That was someone's job to get that Instagram up today for you to see it. So they've accomplished their task and you're just letting them fill your time with, with their to-do list. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Mm, you've gone down this rabbit hole of of Insta or Facebook or whatever the case may be, or even just sort of jumping into the morning news. And mm-hmm. particularly, you know, one of the things you need to understand from a pr- productivity perspective is what type of person you are. When it, when do you have your best energy? So you, you know, for you, let's let's sort of say, you know, Stuart, when are you at your best? I think around like. Or? Yeah, three in the afternoon to kind of like six or seven is when I feel okay. Like so I you're really... an afternoon kind of evening person. So I, I like my mornings, to... but I think that's when I get my best work done. Yeah, in the afternoons, I think so. Yeah. Okay. So what you then need to do is kind of build a six foot high bulletproof fence around your afternoons because if that's when you find yourself in flow and and being really creative and engaged and enthusiastic, that's the time you want to do your hardest most stimulating revenue generating tasks and that's the time you don't want people interrupting you and you don't want to be checking your phone and you don't want to be taking calls and and switch it around if you're a morning person then you have to that time is sacred it's it's got to be that you then throw yourself into those hardest revenue generating stimulating tasks in the morning you know don't spend time on facebook don't read the morning newspapers you know don't spend 30 40 minutes cleaning out your inbox because they're low value tasks you want to go for the high value tasks for when you have your best energy so you you work to find 30 hours a month for clients yeah. where yeah. are some other pockets of time that we we fill with with those low value tasks that that over a month actually create a, a whole new day like 30 hours is over is over a day's worth of productivity if you if you find 10 minutes a day or how's that math work <laughs> an hour a day there you an go. hour a day yeah <laughs> but look even 10 minutes a day is going to add up right but of course look there's so many there's there's i guess there's pockets of time that we can get back so little pockets where you may sort of claw back 30 minutes or an hour here or there but it's more around establishing the right sort of behaviors and habits and starting to, to do things differently and recognizing what is perhaps a poor time habit and being really conscious of that. So just as you might create a really great to-do list, start creating a don't-do list. So recognizing that the things that you may kind of habitually do, because we are creatures of habit, you know, you'll, you'll get up and tomorrow the, and, and your morning routine will be the same as it was yesterday and last week and last month. So, you know, depending on your age, these habits have been ingrained for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. So they're, they're sticky. They're really sticky habits. And, and, and you have to, the first step is to recognize which those habits are getting in your way. And then you have to do some work on reframing them and changing them and, and setting yourself up a better day so your don't do list is is what i call reject so there's there's two areas you're going to find lost time the first is in chores and tasks that you have to do but someone else that can actually do them for you so things that are good to do so work tasks that need to be done but they may not need to be done by you 
and, and home-based tasks in the same way. So there's a whole series of, of things that you can delegate and that is going to find you lost time. The second area where you're going to find lost time is in what I call your rejects. So tasks that you just don't need to do at all, like seriously no one needs to do because they are just a waste of time, or tasks that do need to be done but you could just be smarter about how and when you do them. So a classic example of a partial reject, which is something that you do need to do but just be, do it differently, is emails. Yes, we need to respond to our emails, but we don't need to be in them all day. You know, we don't need to have our work day built around responding to emails. So, you know, you want to batch blocks of time in your calendar to deal with emails. And then after that batch of, say, 35, 45 minutes ends, you get out of your emails and you go do some real work. So that's a classic example of, say, a, a, a partial reject. Classic examples of total rejects, you know, I've had clients who iron their bras and undies, right? Total reject. No one needs to do that. <laughs> people who wash the towels every day, people who iron their sheets. I mean, you know, from these, these are total <laughs> rejects. No one needs to do this stuff. So it's about recognising your habits that just don't need to be done and stop doing them. Do you find that that's easier if you have someone external look at your daily habits and say and ask why? Because that, I, as you said, we become creatures of habits. And so you might not find it wasteful to be ironing your sheets. But until someone says, wait, you iron your sheets? That might just <laughs> have been something passed on from their parents at some point, right? Yeah. So it is... Is that an activity that, that you'd recommend is having someone kind of take a look at your day if you really wanted to tackle some time to have someone actually go through your day with you and, and ask why you're doing certain things? Oh, totally. And look, you could do this with a, a coach, sort of in a time management specialist. You could have them, you know, I do a lot of this sort of work with my clients. But equally, you could just get up tomorrow and map out your full day on a plate. So have a kind of a personal time audit. So from the moment you get up, just take a note of every task you perform and how often you're switching tasks and how often you're interrupted and who you're interrupted by and just have it like on an A4 sheet of paper and it's like, you know, 7 a.m. woke up, 7.10 shower, you know, 7.15, you know, throughout the day. So it doesn't have to be, you know, war and peace, but you do want to do it real time because you want to catch all those filler tasks. You want to capture every time you're interrupted, every time you take a call, every time you jump into email until the moment you go to bed. So it's basically a personal time audit just for a day. It's phenomenally tedious, okay? It's going to drive you nuts doing it, but the data you generate from that is going to be amazing and it'll change your life. So the first thing I want you to do is look at that and and see how often you're switching tasks. You know, you'll be bouncing around like a pinball in a pinball machine, you know. Then the second thing, and and, and go through that and work through that and, and, and question yourself and say, well, why am I doing it this way? And why have I, you know, why did I iron the sheets? And, but then, you know, do this activity with a group of friends or colleagues and then swap maps and ask each other, 
you know, really, you iron the sheets? Why? You know, why are you iron the sheets? And 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 count it and say, my God, can you see that? You know, how many interruptions you've had? What's that costing you? So you can you can do that collaboratively. And interruptions is another time killer. You know, as professionals, you're interrupted roughly every eight minutes throughout the day. So every eight minutes, you're being interrupted. And more than 40% of those interruptions are kind of self-distractions. That's where you're sitting there and it's like, oh, there's a bird. Oh, there's a butterfly. Oh, the postman's here. Oh, I'm going to go get a coffee, you know. We, and when we are interrupted, it takes us about 23 minutes to refocus on the task we were interrupted from. So you can quickly see that if we're being interrupted that often and it's taking us up to 23 minutes to refocus we're not getting any work done. So interruptions are another massive reject. And obviously some interruptions you have to take, you know, that building's on fire, let's evacuate kind of thing. But many interruptions we don't have to take. And so for those of your listeners who are kind of working collegiately in an office environment or open plan, interruptions are a massive, massive productivity killer. The, the task switching really resonates with me too. I'm the kind of person that has that will just keep opening tabs on my browser as I as I find something new that I want to read or something new that I want to watch. <laughs> I'll just read an article and then open every single tab and then I find myself I never get any of them read because yeah. I've never actually committed to uninterrupted time to do any of those things. And then yeah. the same applies to to any task. What what's your sentiment on multitasking? How have you how have you found that as a tool or not at all? Okay, I love this question. I'm going to answer it by playing a game with you and your listeners, okay? okay? So you have to play along. You've got to do it, but your listeners can kind of do it in their head while they're listening. Okay. So when I say go, I want you to count as fast as you can from numbers 1 to 26 out loud so your listeners hear it as fast as you can can, can go, go. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26. Wow, okay. I think that was a world record. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> God, you can count. All right. Um, this time, I want you to do the full alphabet as fast as you can. Go. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. Excellent. Wow, you are a winner. All right. <laughs> and all your, all your listeners are going, yeah! All right, this time I want you to go 1A, 2B, 3C, all the way through to 26Z. Go. A1, B2, C3, E4, F5, G6, H7, I, not 8. Okay, okay. I'll put you oh, out of your misery. Man. I'll put you out of your misery. So that's the answer to your question. <laughs> that's we hard. Cannot. That's when really hard. you just had numbers, you just had the single task of numbers, you killed it. When you just had the single task of letters, you killed it. When I forced you or forced your brain or you tried to force your brain to switch tasks or to multitask between letter and number and back to letter and back to number, I mean, D4, you completely missed. <laughs> there yeah. was no D and there was no 4 in there. <laughs> we cannot multitask. You know, you, you, your brain sort of literally started to bleed out of your ears. When we try and multitask, we lose up to 40% of our productivity, which is the equivalent to losing 10 IQ points. And multitasking can be as simple as 
what you just said, you know, having all those tabs open on your computer and just toggling between tabs. It could be having your emails flashing in the top right-hand corner of your screen all day because you've got your email box open and your alerts open. It could be your phone buzzing in your pocket when you're in a meeting. It could be someone saying, can I have five minutes of your time and interrupting you? They're all examples of multitasking. So if you living your entire work day doing that or those sorts of, you know, juggling or switching tasks, and at best you're only ever working to 60% of your productivity. Mm-hmm. So for mine, multitasking on high-value tasks is a big no. Um, only 2.5% of the global population can multitask successfully and they're so rare, they're called supertaskers. For the rest of us mere mortals, when it <laughs> comes to high-value tasks, you know, strategic work tasks, the only solution is to single task, to focus on one thing at a time. For low-value tasks, it, it doesn't matter. You know, like if you can cook the speedy bolognese while yelling at the kids and kicking the dog and vacuuming the floor, knock yourself out because that doesn't require your best brain. But for your best brain high-value work, stop multitasking. I'm obviously not a super tasker, as we just found out. <laughs> I'm yet to be a super tasker, and I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> and interestingly, anyone who's on the call listening, you know, there's, if there's those people sitting there thinking, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'm an I'm a super tasker," the research also shows that the people who um, think they're super taskers are more likely not to be super taskers than the rest <laughs> of us so so you know don't sit there thinking you're a super tasker it, it's pretty unlikely i saw a great quote recently by an author and a business owner his name's paul jarvis and he was introduced to me recently and he and the quote has to do with running a company but i think it applies very much to what we're talking about here so he he writes busy is being reactive and being constantly reactive doesn't seem like the best way to run a business in the long term. So if we flip that and replace run my life with business, being reactive doesn't seem like a great way to spend your life. And no. and yet, in, in some cases, being busy is romanticized or whatnot. So what's going on here? How do we fix that? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Look, busy has quite a bit of social status you know it's a it's a badge of honor you know it's the the busy badge you know and and you 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 know busy people right you you bump into people or you talk to colleagues or someone you haven't seen for a while it's like you know hey Stuart how are you and oh god I'm so busy oh my god I'm busy too you know (laughs) and and then we talk about how busy we all are and it's not actually a badge of honor um busy is a disease scottish doctors have actually coined a new disease called busy lifestyle syndrome um bls for short (laughs) and it's basically you know bs i mean we shouldn't want to belong in the busy club because let's reframe it like let's reframe that discussion as a hey Stuart, how are you oh my god you know i'm so unproductive oh i'm un- i'm so unproductive as well you know that's what you're telling people when you're telling them how busy you are you're basically saying that you live in a reactive state of mind with absolutely no control over your time so we we kind of got to move away from this busy culture 
And and now, to be honest, to be perfectly honest, I think it's one of the blessings of, of COVID that we are in isolation or different degrees of isolation around the world. And I think it's the perfect time to sit down and reflect on these busy lifestyles we've been leading up until now and and maybe just reflect and think, well, do I want to take that same level of busyness back into a post-COVID world? And I think we've got the opportunity to reframe this for ourselves and kind of design a BAU version two. You know, I personally am working with a lot of my clients to work out Everything that they currently do or previously were doing that makes for this sense of busyness and overwhelm and then kind of triaging it and working out, well, what bits are we actually going to get rid of? You know, your kids don't need to, after school, to go to language class and taekwondo and, you know, football and soccer and cricket and baseball and, you know, goat tying and rock climbing. And, you know, we, we got to, we have to slow down and triage these busy lifestyles and work out what it is we really, really want to be doing. And by creating that space, we're creating time to live a more fulfilled, happy, successful life because we've curated it for ourselves. So, you know, we've got to move away from busy. Yeah. the I think it's going to be a great opportunity to really take, take audit of what's essential, like to go back to essentialism and, and, there's no missing out right now. There's no fear of missing out because nothing's going on. This is your opportunity to once once normal starts rolling back to only put things back into your life if you need them almost. This is kind of like everyone's gone back to basics and yeah. this is a great opportunity to take stock of do I really want to go back to doing those things that I was doing before I was living this kind of essential life whether it's yeah like activities or or people or like reoccurring stuff that keeps coming up that you've been not being not interested in for for a ton of time but now finally there's a good excuse to not go and now there's another good opportunity to just like live a new life yep i look i totally totally am for that and it's the perfect time to reframe we've kind of gone through this phase of being in isolation where we've kind of decluttered all the cupboards and we've decluttered the garage and the house is clean and the garden's been weeded and you've got to do the same with your brain you know mm. declutter your brain you know you've done the you've done your physical environment to death you know god my cupboards have never been more organized in my life and the pantry is looking magnificent and everything in the fridge is within its use by date decluttered our physical environment now spend a little bit of time decluttering your mental environment and reframe and think about your time in four different categories your musts your wants things you can delegate and things you can reject so the musts are the things that you want to take into post-covid that only you can do you know i must get up i must eat i must wash i must be on this podcast call because it's your job your wants are the things that you really, really want to do, the nice stuff, not the 400 activities you've been doing every week up until now, but the stuff that you give a 10 out of 10 to, you know, having a massage, hanging out with your friends, hanging out with your kids, uh, date night, you know, they're your musts. 
delegates fall into a couple of categories. So we have delegation at work where you identify tasks that were otherwise your musts so that someone else in your team is capable of doing them. On the home front, delegation falls into two camps. There's outsourcing, which is where you identify everything that you currently do around the home that you're prepared to pay an expert to do because they'll do it faster, better and cheaper than you. So like there's my three rules of outsourcing, faster, better and cheaper. So classic example is to get a cleaner and, and, and pay for a clean. The other type of uh, delegation at home is insourcing and that's where you identify everything you're currently doing for the people you live with, aka your partner and your kids, that they can do for themselves that you don't have to pay them for. Clean up your wardrobe, put away all your crap, load the dishwasher, unload the dishwasher, walk the dog, feed the dog. So for the parents out there, now is the perfect time to start insourcing. And then the fourth category is rejects. And I talked about that earlier. There's total rejects, the stupid stuff no one needs to do, like multitasking. Or partial rejects, the stuff you do need to do, but you can just be smarter about how and when you do them. So they're the, that's the way I want you to think about your time right now, but think about taking that analysis into your post-COVID world. And you really want then to be focusing your time on your musts and your wants. I've never heard of insourcing. That's a, that's a great way of, of putting it to help yeah. have others help themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. I and look, it's a phrase that I coined a couple of years ago, and it's just so, so appropriate. You know, families are team sport. And if you're the, you know, one of the parents, then you're the captain, which is great. And, yeah. and you got to get got to get the rest of the team to play along. <laughs> what are some common mistakes that you see professionals who have ambitions make when it comes to these things? Because it, it seems very simple, but that that doesn't mean it's easy. These are frameworks that are super uh, great to talk about, but in reality, things can fall apart. Speak to me a little bit about maintaining those habits. Yeah, look, implementation's always the kicker, right? It's like, you know, so look, some people listening to this call will be able to completely reframe their time and their habits just by listening to the conversation. Um, then there's other people who will think, okay, I, I need to know more. I'd like to know more. And so they may buy my book or a time management book or look at doing an online do-it-yourself course and then they'll nail it. And then there's people who think, I really want to do this, but I know I will get faster results or better results if I work with a coach. So there's kind of three different categories of people. And, you know, it's like buying a gym membership. You know, some people will turn up and have that motivation. They'll turn up to the gym every day and they will smash it. And then there's other people who will buy the gym membership and they'll just think, oh, my God, why did I do that? And then there's other people who will think, oh, I actually better pay for the personal trainer at the gym because at least that's going to make me do it. <laughs> so it just depends what kind of person you are, whether you have that motivation to do it yourself. And I always encourage people and business owners and professionals to think about getting a coach. I mean, I've got a coach. All the business owners that I know that are at kind of the top of their game and all the professionals at the top of their game have coaches because we don't know everything. 
but also your coach is going to make you implement. They're going to look, make you look at yourself through a different lens. They're going to hold up the mirror and they're going to then actually make you do the work. You know, Rafael Nadal has a coach, you know. Every, every top athlete, every top team in the world has a coach. So I always encourage people, you know, invest in yourself, invest in a coach because it's going to help you implement to take you to the next level. Now, not everyone can afford that, obviously. So as a minimum, invest in coaching yourself, you know, buy books, read, learn, be curious. You know, one of the things that always alarms me is that as professionals or some professionals don't invest in themselves. And I think you've got to constantly be investing in learning because it makes life more interesting. It means that you're going to take your success to the next level. So, you know, invest in learning. Learn something new or different every single day. It's so, so, so important. Why do you think people, especially professionals who understand the value of time and money and and compounding, why do you think they don't invest in themselves? I think that there's probably multiple reasons why. I think a lot of it comes back to time. You know, well, time and money, you know, they're the two kind of key things people say, look, I, sounds great, I just don't have the time. I just don't have the time right now. I'm too busy. You know, we go back to this busy word, right? Well, my answer to that is it, it just depends on how bad you want it. If you want an extra 30 hours a month, if you want it badly enough, you're going to invest in it. It's the same as I want to run a marathon. Well, how bad do you want it? And if you want it badly enough, you're going to invest time in training and you're going to invest time in your diet and you're going to invest some money in the right shoes. If you want to um, stop smoking, well, how bad do you want it? So it, it comes down to how badly you want something. So I think when people say, look, I don't have time or I don't have money, that's rubbish. Really, it's, it's rubbish because if you want it badly enough, you'll make the time and invest it. And if you want it badly enough, you'll find the money and you'll perhaps won't go out for as many dinners or you won't have as many beers with the boys or you won't buy the new, you know, Nikes because you're thinking I want my money for that other thing I'm chasing after. So time and money is not an excuse. It's, it's people rationalising with themselves and giving themselves a reason not to, to go after something that perhaps they feel is too hard or bottom line is they just may not really want it. Yeah. As we wrap things up here, what are some questions that you ask to help people think about priorities and when it comes to those decisions you need to make every single day? It might not feel like a groundbreaking decision, but you're making priorities how you spend your time. It's like you're 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 literally using your time as money to spend on certain tasks and certain decisions you make. What are some questions that you you go through? Well, you make a good point there in terms of you know your time is money. So it's around a mindset switch and and asking people to to think about their time as money and. So stop thinking about time as something that needs to be managed or can be managed and start thinking about time as something that needs to be invested. Like your money, it's a very, very precious resource. You have a limited amount of it. 
we have exactly the same 24 hours a day as everyone else. No one can buy or steal more. So stop managing your time and start investing at your time. Where do I want to invest my time today? What is, how can I invest my time for the greatest success today? So it's an investment question. I'd also ask them to think about, well, what other cost lenses impact you? What do you think is impactful? So there's there's four different cost lenses in terms of where we spend our time. The first one's financial cost. So your time is money. If you If your time is worth $50 an hour and you spend an hour a day on Facebook every single day, that's $18,250 of your time a year. Is that the best time investment? And then I'd ask them to look at, well, are there other costs? So the three other costs are opportunity cost, emotional cost, and physical cost. Opportunity cost is that your time is the trade-off, right? So you choose to spend an hour, say, on Facebook. Well, what's your trade-off? Well, you could have been interviewing someone for a podcast. You could have been winning new clients. You could be delivering to clients. You could be in other ways working on, say, revenue-generating tasks. So that's your opportunity cost. Emotional cost is whether you feel good or bad about how you've spent your time. This one will be playing out in homes all around the world right now where people are yelling at their kids and kids are yelling back and everyone's hating each other. Emotional cost. Physical cost is are any of the activities or things that you're investing your time in making for pain. So if you're sitting in front of the computer all day and not getting up and you've got headaches, physical costs. So one of the key questions I ask clients is, well, which costs impact you the most? What resonates with you? Because everyone's different, right? Some people will be really motivated by money and and find financial costs most impactful. Other people who have lived with pain before might say, well, physical costs for me, absolutely. So it's about understanding yourself and thinking about which of those costs resonates and then looking at every task you perform through that lens. And thinking, okay, is this really the best use of my time? That's one of the things. I guess that's what I would love to leave you and your your listeners with. Just that that sense of really time is something I need to invest. So is this the best time investment for me right now? Amazing. Yeah, I love that 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 quote. Time is not spent, it's invested. That's a lot to chew on. <laughs> Thanks so much, Kate. This has been a great, this has been really eye-opening for me to think about time in a different way and and how I can best spend it so that I can accomplish the things that I want to and and allow for time, the essentialism time that I want to be spending my days doing, right? Tell me, tell us a little bit about your your book, Me First. That's that's available now everywhere. And I think it's going to frame a lot of the stuff that we talked about today in if easier to access than to rewinding maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So Me First is my fourth book. It's very much focused at working women who are mums, but for any working parent, basically. <clears throat> and it's around how you can get back 30 hours of lost time a month. So it takes you through five steps and with a series of exercises that you complete and it basically will give you back your 30 hours of lost time a month. And then there's also a section on kind of debunking crazy things we do (laughs) as working 
parents, like imposter syndrome, parent guilt, um, never saying no, that sort of stuff. And it gives you strategies around that. And then there's a final section on goal setting. So, you know, you've got these 30 hours back. What are you going to do with that? Let's set some really audacious, fantastic goals because I don't want you to get your 30 hours back a month and, you know, spend that on 30,000 extra emails or, you know, another 10 loads of washing. You know, you've got to spend that time on your wants and they've got to be audacious. So it's a whole section on setting yourself up for an amazing life. Who doesn't want that? Come on. Exactly. <laughs> We've all got the same amount of time in the day. That's, I think that's my, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently is every person who you know, who you admire and look up to and read about and, and watch see on TV, they've got the exact same amount of time in the day. Yeah. Yeah. That's the you know, common You've got the same field. amount of time as Barack Obama, Aaron Buffett, and Bill Gates. You know, you've all got the same amount of time. Um, they can't acquire any more than you. So how are you going to invest it? Yeah. They've just insourced better. They made their kids do everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And look, this, seriously, for your listeners who don't have kids but are thinking about having kids, have hands. There's so much you can get them to do. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Kate. This has been terrific. And if you want to find out more about Kate uh, and her company and her book, uh, Time Stylers, T-I-M-E-S-T-Y-L-E-R-S.com is the place to do that. And reach out to Kate through LinkedIn and, and Facebook. Thank you so much, Kate. This has been terrific. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Joe. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, then you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to topofmind.substack.com and put in your email, you can get access to exclusive behind-the-scenes content inspired by this show. So there's going to be candid audio recordings that aren't going to be available anywhere else, not on Spotify, not on Apple, nowhere else except on topofmind.substack.com. But that's not it. It's also a platform where I can share written content, videos, links, and anything else that I come across directly with you. You're going to get access to it right away. You're going to get access to the whole library of archived posts. And you're also going to be the first to be notified when a new episode of Top of Mind comes out. So head on over to topofmind.substack.com. See you there. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to this show. This is where I'm going to share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. I also share some real life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.